Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by principal analysts Betsy Summers and Fiona Mark to discuss how AI will impact your tech talent strategy. Welcome both. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So this is a cool report, Fiona. The whole idea of actually bending the supply curve and specifically we're talking about the talent supply curve with this one with AI. Now, the question everybody is probably asking is like, well, we just had a bunch of tech layoffs at this point, so maybe we shouldn't be bending anything. So maybe we want to just start by like talking about like, is there still a talent gap and, you know, what are we actually bending at this point? Sure. Yes. So. We had a lot of media news around tech talent layoffs through 2022, early 2023. Tech talent layoffs, though, peaked in January of this year. Furthermore, all of that talent that we saw getting laid off, you know, and and enterprise organizations got a little bit hopeful, like, hey, I can maybe pick up some of these high tech talent people who are on the market. They didn't go into enterprise organizations. They didn't go and join retail or finance. What they did was invariably they stayed in that high tech startup heavy market where they were able to pick up new roles within three months, where they were able to go back into you know where we're seeing investment in AI and other types of startups. So for the CIO, for the tech leader, they actually haven't had any reprieve in being able to find available tech talent. The roles that are difficult to find are still difficult to fill. So we have a lack of people who are available who can do AI. We have a lack of people who can do automation. We have a lack of people who can really do software engineering. Those roles are still incredibly hard to find. We're still adding those roles into organizations as we're seeing tech drive more and more business strategy. And that's that thing that you called kind of like the double disruption where we may have hit peak at layoffs, but now there's this big influx in technology and we can't stop talking about AI enough that now we need new skills that even though we usher out some people, there may be a shortage of skills that we now do need. Yeah, that's that's a great point. What That's um. When we say double disruption, what we see is, yes, some people are exiting the tech talent market. They've been laid off, but they don't have this new skills that we need. And so this means that there's this this lack of availability of those really hard to find skills. And that's where tech leaders are looking like we saw that acquiring new skills and acquiring these emerging tech skills is a top priority for tech leaders. We've seen that in our survey data, but actually then we need to look at what are the strategies for tech leaders to bring them into the organization, given the people in the market who are available don't actually have those skills. And so are we seeing a shift in the talent acquisition approach here? Definitely. And I'll, I'll step in here as well. I mean, The talent shortages is something that we're seeing across the board, across industries, across geographies, right? 77% of employers are reporting that they're having trouble filling the roles that they, that they have open, not only because of just the lack of the, of like the sheer number of the workforce required, but also as Fiona mentioned, the skills that are required for those. So there might be people available, but they don't necessarily have the right skills. And so that means that talent leaders are having to be creative about 
the sources of talent. They can't any longer just go out to the market and kind of the spray and pray recruiting approach, which is post the job description out there and you get several hundred, sometimes thousands of applications, and then you get to sort through and find your perfect unicorn candidate in the market. It's just no longer happening. And so leaders, especially tech leaders, are having to think about alternative talent sources, right? Like they might be thinking about going deeper into the education market to pull people who are in school currently. They might be looking at gig or on-demand talent. They might be looking at any kind of outsourced labor or borrowing that workforce from a consultancy partner. Hopefully they're looking internally to see who can be upskilled or reskilled and mobilized internally, kind of redeployed based on their kind of overlapping skills and their current skills. But it's easier said than done because you need data about your workforce that tech leaders have not been capturing in like up until this point. And recruiters haven't been capturing either. So I guess the pace of all of this happening is probably one of the biggest challenges, right? And in fact, I'm remembering research a year or two ago, we talked about tech-driven innovation, where it's this constant cycle, which, you know, the technology upgrades and then the humans got to upgrade. But we're getting to a point where the technology is upgrading faster than the humans can do it. So I'm starting to see that paradigm here in your research. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about this tech-driven innovation or tech-enabled innovation, in some ways there's a pattern that, that it follows where you have these very specific, these niche skills that are hard to find, but really and very focused and very specific, whether it's AI, whether it's RPA, whether it's process mining, whether it's data science, these are highly niche, highly specific skills, which require a lot of deep skilling and specific skilling. But in order for organizations to also get value from all of this tech-enabled innovation and to be able to, I guess, keep up with the speed of the market, organizations are realizing that it's not just those deep skills they need. They also need those skills that are required for enablement and for change management. So it's like, how do you apply that technology, that innovation to the business problems I'm having. You can't do that just with a tech mindset. You have to do that with deep knowledge of your customer, deep knowledge of your strategy and critical thinking, problem solving, all of the change management. Those types of skills are also now rising in terms of value for organizations as they think about the pace that they're moving at and how they continually apply and get value from this. But aren't those skills valuable across the board, not just tech people, right? I would say absolutely. And that's what's really interesting. I think that the tech organization is really understanding that they're recruiting not just for soft, not just for technical expertise. They're really focusing on how do we get those human skills, those critical thinking, those problem solving skills into our organization as well. So there's a much more of a premium in that. We've seen Microsoft recently released research around what's the skills most valuable for working with AI. And those skills are, you know, critical thinking, empathy, human, like those much more skills that we associate with those human elements. Which the U.S. government actually released a whole memo around that as well. Betsy, I'm wondering through your perspective, because there's a really interesting tension here now, trying to decide whether AI is actually causing this gap or it's actually helping to close it. It feels like a problem on both sides. Can the answer be yes to both? <laughs> I mean, 
This tension has occurred every time we've gone through a significant disruption or innovation cycle. I know people will cringe when I bring up the fourth industrial revolution, but this has happened before. We have always had to as human beings, kind of, as you mentioned, Keith, struggle to keep up with the technological innovations with the human upskilling to be able to handle it. And I think AI, of course, presents both the cause, like that it presents the need for the upskilling, but it also can be a big help and a big up leveler by thinking about, of course, for me, I think about it from a workforce planning perspective, right? Like Fiona and I have talked about this, and this is what's brilliant about the business capabilities, the way that Forrester thinks about capabilities of like the, it's the orchestration of, of assets, right? So it's it's not just the specialization and the hard skills, but it's also those combined with the interpersonal, the change management, the critical thinking skills. Well, expand that into the enterprise where you think about, it's not just about the people and their skills, but it's also about how they are able to work with the technology and the process and the data and whatever kinds of governance and structure and org design, et cetera. So it's about humans' ability to put it all together and to orchestrate and to really manipulate the environment accordingly. And so AI, if they bring that in as one of their workforce levers, that's incredibly powerful, right? So if you think about what kind of workforce am I going to apply to this business problem, as Fiona said, I'm going to build my workforce internally. I'm going to buy my workforce by recruiting externally. I'm going to borrow my workforce by going to consultancies or gig work or you know, freelance marketplaces, or I'm going to bot my workforce, which is applying AI automation, any type of technology to that work. And that becomes my workforce. And so humans have to orchestrate all of that. And it requires it requires us to have these skills of knowing how to work with AI because it is, as you said, both the harbinger of the disruption, but also can provide a lot of relief for that, especially as we're seeing AI start to be infused into like the skills management world. It can be used for coaching. It's being used in performance management use cases. It's being used in the kind of chatbot you know, HR policy use case, workforce management use case of, you know, how to match work to be done with the people available to do it uh, and capacity planning, et cetera. So AI can actually serve a lot of that and and help um, relieve that administrative burden. Do we have data about, you know, tech workers and their sentiment working with, with AI or side by side, you know? We do. Well, we do. So Microsoft's co-pilot program, which I think worked with GitHub, they've released very positive sentiment around how developers feel about working with these what we call Turing bots, as in AI enabled tools that either produce code or help test code or automate like deployment of code, these types of these. And the sentiment is sort of positive in two ways. The sentiment is positive in that it's reducing the amount of rote work that a developer is doing. And I just want to sort of point out that Developers have always been using external tools to help develop their code. This is not, it's not a new concept. Before we were using GitHub and we were using Stack and we were going out to Google or Reddit and being like, let me just, you know, it, what, what these codes, what these tools are doing are just really speeding up that process so that it's so rapid. But the sentiment is, you know, it's reducing the amount of 
tedious work that I'm doing and redoing and redoing. And so that sentiment is sort of producing that the developer is spending more time or the engineer is spending more time on the high value work. And I think that's what's really, really powerful about these tools is it allows our teams to feel like they, they've got tools that actually are reducing some of their cognitive load and allowing them to focus on something that's meaningful and valuable. And that really produces a much more stronger sentiment and much more strong in terms of employee engagement towards how do I feel about my work? How am I driving impact? And so these are real tools that can actually augment that as well as productivity. Yeah, especially as you look at the work to be done in an organization, you know, if you stratify the work as what Fiona was talking about in terms of the kind of transactional or rote work, and then into the more functional or operational work, and then at the highest level is that strategic work, a lot of the strategic work has always been on the parking lot for team leaders, right? Like, it's something they've always wanted to get to maybe next quarter, maybe next year, we'll have space or capacity to do it, whatever. And so being able to offload a lot of the transactional work to AI, et cetera, allows leaders to then look at that parking lot and say, hey, what if we could actually add some of these interesting projects? Or what if we could take on some of this experimentation or innovation that we didn't have capacity for, even with the same number of team members? And so AI we're seeing can be a very strategic element of your workforce. But of course, it depends on having the capabilities in order to like steer it in the right direction and tell it what to do. You know, it's not something that you can just unleash into the organization, obviously. Well, that's the real issue though, right? You're talking about it needs to be strategic. Well, that means you need to be very intentional to get an organization on board. And I think you've been describing the input of why we need to bend the supply curve as something that's very urgent. Can you guys talk about like, well, what are we actually bending? Because we have a short-term capacity issue that maybe we're stretching rather than bending, but long-term we're really trying to bend this thing. What are the things that need to go into that strategic plan to enable those individual cases that you're talking about AI can you know really help as an individual worker? So I think I would always start this conversation from taking like what capabilities are most valuable for delivering against your strategic plan and then how, where does AI in all of its forms, whether it's generative, whether it's predictive, whether it's recommendation, all of these flavors of AI, where does it sit in terms of creating value for those capabilities? And there's people in our organization who are spending a lot of time focusing very specifically on those AI use cases. But then from a tech organization point of view, it's then how is that going to impact the talent that I need, the skills that I need, and where do I focus on either investing or upskilling? Um, investing as in going out to the market, as in bringing in providers, but then what's my long-term strategy for skilling my organization to take advantage of those? And you know that's where we start to think of what are the types of AI? We talked about Turing bots, we talk about automation, we talk about virtual assistants and those types of tools that you know really enable AI for everyone. For us to get value from those, we have to think, we have to then invest in the skills and capabilities for the enablement across the organization. And then what I would call AI for everyone. What are those types of strategic capabilities that we're building so that myself or yourself or someone who's a project coordinator or someone who's a product manager or product owner or developer, how are they getting value from that? We can't do that unless we really think about where AI is going to fit into their day-to-day -day work that they do. And also, you know, it goes back to strategic capabilities. What's our governance around that? How are we thinking around how we're actually controlling this? And how are we enabling people to think about the AI in a sort of a respectful and an ethical manner as well? 
And Betsy, you've done some work that's not necessarily this research, but it's about the who, the how, and the what of technology delivery. And can you talk about like, well, how do you use AI to identify the who, enable what or how they do it, even beyond, you know, the CIO's house? Sure. When it comes to AI's ability to really help the organization at an enterprise level, understand their workforce, what skills they have, and then how to match those people or things, whatever, to the work to be done, AI can do a lot with that. And so on the market, especially after the BERT LLM, and it kind of exploded in 2018 with all of these vendors around AI skills management, the skills data is the key for understanding and breaking down the work to be done, both from, as you can imagine, the job descriptions, like how do we describe the work to be done and how is it organized within our company? And then on the part of the workforce, what skills are they bringing into the organization? Without that data, all we see about our workforce is just the job description, like just their current job and what they're doing. It's very, very limited. AI is actually much better at assessing someone's skills than the human being is themselves. Like Unilever, Accenture, Skyhive, and Walmart, along with the World Economic Forum, did this study where they basically set the people in a job versus AI uh, looking at that job and compared the number of skills that each one of them could come up with about like, what skills do you have in this job? Humans were only able to come up with 11 skills aligned to that job. The AI came up with 34. And so because of our human bias, sometimes we have trouble seeing the breadth of skills that align to any particular job. AI is really good at that. It can start to detect and interpret and analyze the skills that are needed to get work done in an organization. And so at an enterprise level, imagine if you could run your organization using skills intelligence to help identify what are your skill gaps? What are the competitive skills, even externally in the market that make you better than your competitors and your peers? What are the ways that you can solve those skill gaps, like recommended reskilling, upskilling, career pathing, for example? Um, what are the ways that you can bring in external talent? There are a lot of tools in the market that are now applying the marketplace technology, not just to internal employees to help them match with internal opportunities, but also externally. They have gig workers coming onto the platform and then lining them up with um, specific projects that organizations might have. So AI is really good at that matching. Of course, it's not a free-for-all. So it comes with a lot of that intentionality, as you said before, Keith, around making sure that you are aware of the ethical ramifications or the implications of disparate impact and disparate treatment, um, making sure that you audit your AI and making sure that you have those kind of responsible AI practices and transparency and explainability uh, and ethical AI practices in hand governing all of that. And Fiona, maybe you can just dive into that because in your report, you also said that this whole idea of bending the supply curve is also about making sure that the tech leader actually has control of this challenge. And some of the things that Betsy just mentioned, there's some very specific recommendations for tech leaders. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this piece is generative AI changes the, well, we, we, 
predict that it's going to change a lot of how we do work. And with that said, and it's also changed the who, and with that, it also therefore changes the tech organization. It changes the role of the tech organization. As parts of the business have more access to technology, what's going to be the role of the technology organization in terms, and this is where they really come into becoming a like actual centers of excellence around this. How do we enable our organization? How do we govern? How do we ensure that we are using this in a way that both gets value from it, but actually we're able to explain how it works, that explainable AI. These are all new capabilities that really change the role of the tech leader and really create an opportunity for the tech leader themselves to create much more strategic value in guiding the organization through this real step change in technology. And we started exploring this idea of every employee bringing their AI buddy to work too, right? (laughs) How are you going to govern that? How are you going to govern that? And then the tech org, like we've been using these types of technology for a long time. We have a much more deeper understanding both of the potential, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to be the doomsayer, but some of the potential risks that might come with that too. But having that, oh, those open eyes and becoming a much closer strategic partner to the business of how we create value and then how do we put the guardrails around that puts the tech leader, it's a whole new capability for them to think about, but it's a great opportunity for the tech leader to create and to amplify some of the value that we have in the organization. So obviously this is a quick chat amongst us here, and I'm sure that, you know, there's more research to come and we're going to dive deeper into a variety of these topics. So where can folks learn more about this? And I'm thinking perhaps at Technology and Innovation North America, you'll both be there. So share a little bit about what's going to be on stage. Yeah, so I'm really excited about TNI North America. It's in, coming up in September, and I will be leading a track session on reading your organization for reading your team skills, including specifically around generative AI and how generative AI is going to change your skills profile of the organization, what tech leaders should be doing to get ready for that, who they should be working with across the organization, and some of the technology solutions and platforms they can use to support that. Awesome. And I as well will be there. I'll be doing a keynote on day two of Technology and Innovation North America, all around hyperscaling your talent engine. So a lot of what we talked about or a lot of the words that I use today, like build, buy, borrow, bot, and workforce planning and skills intelligence, you'll hear them again and you'll see how they all work together in concert as organizations can think about how to build a talent capability for themselves and one that is sustainable, one that creates a flywheel effect, one that serves both employee experience and the growth of the business, um, and really what's possible with AI today. Fantastic. Thank you both for bringing us this great research. Thank you for having us. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to check out our upcoming technology forum starting in September. To learn more, visit for.com slash tech events. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash tech events. Thanks for listening.